We're back, back for another podcast, back before the Sooners head to the Cotton Bowl for a big, big one with Longhorns and back with Garen Emig for the 12th episode of the Letterman Jacket Pod. Garen, what's going on? We excited to OU Texas week. How are we feeling? This is one of those weeks where the riders have to bring their A games as well, Eli. I know that you have to this point, but you, it's, you still have to, to, to finish the, the journey, right? So I, I want to see pros. I don't want to see stories from you, you coming pros. out of Dallas Saturday. Mm-hmm. I want to see pros. I think you have to write pros. some kind of lead from the Texas State Fair. Uh, with the smell <laughs> of fried Oreos and wax cup beer in the background. Oklahoma entered the breach once more. Huh? What do we think? What do we think? Well, yeah, Grant Rice never covered a know you Texas game is what I think. <laughs> I think I've got some work to do before Saturday. This is the 12th episode of the Letterman Jacket. Good number pairing on the OU roster. Drake Stoops and Key Lawrence were number 12. And before you can tell me who I think your favorite number 12 might be, I'm going to tell you mine. He's the far superior quarterback, probably the best of all time. Tom Brady, of course, wore number 12 uh, and had some success, a modicum of success up in New England for a number of years. How about you? Number 12, where does your mind go? NFL quarterback, it's not Tom Brady. Someone who preceded Tom by about 30 years and won one time more Super Bowls. I guess I can't say that any longer. So mine, mine is Terry Bradshaw, who will always hold in a higher esteem than your guy. That's just selfish on my part because I know I can't make the case anymore. But, but Terry will always be number 12 to me. How many Super Bowls Terry win? Well, he won four. That's quaint. He won four, but with the teams that Bradshaw was playing against, it should count for to about 14 compared to your guy. That's an interesting take that we're going to have to take to a different podcast. <laughs> we got to talk about you, Texas, but now you're trying to tell me that football was harder in the 70s than it was uh, nowadays. I'm not trying to tell you that. <laughs> Remove trying from that, that comment, young buck. Hmm. Well, this is going to be saved. We're going to bookmark this one, I think. We're going to bookmark this one. We're going to dive into OU Texas. Huge game at the Cotton Bowl this weekend. But first, before we jump in, got to hit on some of our sponsors. Rose Hill Builders, the National Cowboy and Western Heritage Museum, Oklahoma Ford Dealers, Our Blood Institute, and Bob Moore Auto Group. And of course, Garen, we got our friends at Fire Lake Arena and Fire Lake Golf Course. They got a great slate of shows coming up at the arena. October 28th, ZZ Top's Raw Whiskey Tour in Shawnee. And I know you're not much of a golfer, Garen, but I am. And as I mentioned to Todd the, you know, the other day, this is the time of year to play golf in Oklahoma. The summer's gone. You're going to get some weird weather today, but weather's good. They've got tee times. They've got twilight hour rates at Fire Lake Golf. Get out there. Get in before the season disappears on us. Not disappearing on us, Garen. Not yet. It's a pretty big game Saturday. OU Texas. Sooners head there 5-0. and Longhorns head there 5-0. It's been a while since 2011, since they were both unbeaten going into this game. I think it's safe to say it's probably the biggest game in the country this weekend. A lot of implications moving forward. And OU Texas Week began yesterday in the stadium club at, at OU. With You found your way into a comedic moment with Brent Venables. Care to share with the class? Was it a comedic moment? I think so. There were laughs. Yeah. You could decide if they were at or with, but there were laughs. I, w- I, was, I thought they w- I was being laughed at, not with. 
Um, yeah, the it's, I, I guess I, what I need to do before I decide to put my uh, iPhone on the podium beneath Brent moving forward is make sure that I've got a solid base on which to rest said iPhone because it slipped right into the, the slot between <laughs> the plate and the and the actual wall. And uh, I think they were already live on the network. And the first thing they that anyone who heard who tuned in, and I assume that people tuned in for OU Texas press conferences, the sound of my tape recorder making this this gigantic racket, me sort of, I can't believe I just did that. And and Brent essentially, you know, laughing in my face along with the uh, the, the 50 member media corps that now covers the Sooners. So yeah, if, if I could do, listen, I got, I just said, writers have got to step up, right? Mm-hmm. And if I've got to do my part to cut through the, you know, the tension and the, and the, you know, the crackle of OU Texas week, then I guess I'll, I'll take what was literally a pratfall at the press conference. I think every possible ledge that your recorder could have hit, it hit on the way down. No, it was not uh, a quiet situation. It was not very graceful, but Brent got a kick out of it. He had come in with some prepared jokes uh, and you just, you were the opener. You were like the guy at the open mic who tells a couple cracks and then says, well, our next comedian is a real funny guy. And uh, Brent Venables opened with a couple of jokes. He uh, said, this is the week I'll finally get asked about the opponent. I think he always gets uh, bristled at that when, when most of the questions they yeah. have for a lot of his tenure have been, uh, you know, turned inward. But, you know, he, 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 <laughs> we are, uh, for full disclosure, recording on Wednesday right around 1 o'clock. This is that national weather alert test. Um, which is coming through. This is showbiz, right, Garen? This is, uh, I thought it was about, uh, I thought it was the National uh, Weather Service issuing a, a comment about OU's run game is what I figured it was. Well, I mean, if you want to get into that, there's no downpour or storm there, at least not yet. That's another conversation to have. But back to the topic at hand, Brent, very kind of lighthearted, I thought, and, and seemingly comfortable You've sat in a lot of Texas Week mm-hmm. press conferences, seen a lot of coaches walk into this game. What did you make of, of how he spoke, what he had to say, and, and the general vibe uh, with, with him this week? Well, when Bob Stoops had, his, had, had Mac Brown's number all those years and, and I was covering Bob in, in this game, I thought that OU took its first step toward winning by how Stoops presented himself, especially compared to Mac. Mac was really good with the media. I'm, I'm not saying he played it wrong down in Austin, but but Stoops was just dead center, confident, um, sort of a mixture, if it's possible, to be both confident and loose at the same time he was. And I don't remember him joking very often, but the but the the tone of the vibe, to use your word, was always pretty clear. And I think he carried himself wherever he went that way that week because he figured it blood over to his staff and his players. Venables was. Um, his answers were shorter and more clipped, but perhaps that's his version of confident. You know, he wasn't, for lack of a better term, wasn't rambling as much as he normally does. And he did start with, uh, with a, you know, came, came in here, uh, with, uh, with some notes or ready to ask you guys to ask me about this week's opponent. And then I saw who this week's opponent was and all the numbers. And yeah, right. So it was a moment of levity. And so, I thought it was it was a good tone setter. I don't think he's got Bob's act down yet. That might take a few more years and probably a few wins in the game. <laughs> you know, Certainly. something besides forty nine nothing, and then he can go there. But it was a it was. I think it was positive. I think obviously what matters more is how practice is going and and how the mood around the locker room is. But it was it was a 
it was a uh, it was a confident uh, thirty to forty five minutes. Was Bob Stoops typically as uh, complimentary of Texas as Brent mm-hmm. was yesterday? Yeah, it, oh, yeah. it was. Uh, and you know, I did not. No one expected Brent to come in there and do much else. But you know, he yeah. spoke really highly of what Texas has done, what they did against Alabama. Talked about Quinn Ewers, the skill guys, uh, the, the defense they've got. You know, he was you know very polite and complimentary, and I, I think some of that has to do with the fact that Texas is the third ranked team in the country. They've got a case to probably be number one if you really wanted to make it. There's a lot of good things to say. Mm-hmm. And I don't think Brent has any eagerness for uh, bulletin more board material anyhow, but it, it definitely, uh, that was the tone yesterday. Yeah, well, and it, he followed up anytime he got around to either the receivers or Jonathan Brooks or Quinn Ewers especially. He got around to making sure that he concluded there any remarks with, we're excited to meet the challenge, which is, high, again, how you want to play. That's, that's what Stoops did all those years, whether Roy Williams came up, Texas Roy Williams, uh, Chris Sims, uh, Cedric Benson, you know, whatever all, Derek Johnson, whatever All-Americans, the, the Horns were throwing out on defense as well. Respectful, and yet made very clear that this is a challenge we're not backing down from. And I think that was, you said, he kind of ended every sentence or every statement that way. And I think as much as he spoke about how, you know, Texas looks good, this, that, he's really mm-hmm. happy with where the Sooners are this time mm-hmm. of year. 5-0 is as good as they can be. And I think, you know, to date, they've, as we've, you know, we've hit on plenty here, they've passed every test, they've done everything they've had to do. And so I think there's a, a quiet confidence going yep. into this. They know the challenge that's here. And you look at that offense and what they're going to face. They haven't seen anything like that. So they know what they're stepping into, certainly far better than us. Uh, but I, I do think with sort of that complimentary vibe toward Texas, there was that confidence about where the Sooners stand going into this and, and mm-hmm. how they feel. Did, you know, another maybe a moment of levity, but an interesting one was kind of the media policy this week, right, with the, the player availabilities for some context. Most weeks, we probably talked to 12 to 16 guys after the Monday and Tuesday practice sessions. Um, this week, they limited it to four guys, Dylan mm-hmm. Gabriel, McCade Matoyer, Drake Stoops, Woody Washington. And Brent, you know, basically explained, he said, I'll be honest, um, this is the week where you guys do ask about the opponent and not just about the team. And this tends to be the week, as, as he put it, where it's, you know, we're going to come, we gotcha. Um, looking, you know, yeah. people with cameras and microphones right. for players to say something. Um, silly. I can see both sides of this one. Us in the media, we are never um, advocating for for less access over more. Fans and readers are better served. Listeners are better served with more access. Follows Brent Venables pulling coordinator availabilities with Jeff Levy and Ted yeah. Root. Um, and I, I'd say, and Garen, you can. I think you'll agree with me. This is a group of players that should be trusted. There's not no mm-hmm. reason that Brent shouldn't feel like the guys he's going to put out on the field Saturday. Um, even if he is leaning on his veteran leaders like he did in throwing those four guys out, they should be able to talk. On the other end, I appreciated that he was honest, gave something of an answer. I could see the logic, and I don't think he has much to lose in in making the decision he made this week. Mm -hmm. Yeah, two things here, Eli. Number one, uh, again, I'm not the one that lost 49-0 a year ago and and has to wear that into the game on Saturday. So you know, I'd probably, you know, I'd, I don't know. I'd, I'd like to think that I'd be more, uh, to use your term, trusting of, of your of more players to, to say the right thing and, and, you know, not bulletin board this thing up. But you do what you have to do, considering how this game went a year ago. Um, I do think he, the only thing he denied was 
you know, maybe twice the number of players being pretty insightful about the rivalry, about Texas, about whatever, even the fairgrounds, whatever they want to say. This this is a team, we've said this before, this is a team that is really, really sharp with the media uh, in general and thoughtful. And it, and it does feel more like a conversation than an interview with several of the players. That part we lost, it's also a week where that's almost filler because we've got so much to cover. Uh, it's it matchups, history, intensity, um, the future with these two programs playing in the SEC next year, the past. We, 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 there's no way we covered anywhere near what we could have, and that's all of us at Sellout Crowd and, and really everyone in the OU press corps. And so anything outside of someone really popping off about how much they hate the color burnt orange, short of that, I don't know where it would have come into play. In, in a lot of what we wrote. So no big deal. I just hope in general, this is an sign of things to come. And I guess we'll find out. You haven't heard a guy ask, what's it feel like to play in that atmosphere a couple of times over the years covering this team? <laughs> yes. The, here, I mean, let me just say this. The, the night we did get players on Monday, the first time I heard someone ask, might have been who was oh Drake. I think it was Drake Stoops. He was one of the four players that Brent trusted to say the right things. How much do you want to win this game? Since I heard that question, I looked at uh I looked at some of my colleagues around that huddle and said, Yeah, I can kind of see why Brent pulled the plug on. Yeah, that's we're not blameless. I mean, and I'm not saying I'm not gonna know who it was, but the fact that even it was, right? I mean, come on, seriously. Yeah. Well, what are we doing here? I, for one, think it'd be pretty important for them to win this game. I think it would be pretty meaningful for. It's an overrated. It's an overrated. Look, it's an overrated. Hot take art. Hot take art. That's what we got to do now, Gary. What's our crowd here to do? I think that I think if you'd made more players available, there might have been the one guy who said, "You know what? If we lose, we lose. You know, I'm going (laughs) to still go home and have a nice Saturday night because we're going to be home in time for, uh, you know, whether it's a Call of Duty or a trip to Campus (laughs) Corner." I really don't care how that how the game goes. I'm gonna I'm going to I'm gonna have my fun one way or another before Sunday morning arrives. <laughs> I think if we pride enough, maybe, maybe. Well, someone who I think this game will matter to, I I'd assume there's a lot of guys this game will matter to, but it's Dylan Gabriel. Uh last year, think back to this time last year. Mm-hmm. He takes that terrible hit at TCU. We knew it was a concussion that day. It, we knew it seemed pretty unlikely seven days later he'd be playing at the Cotton Bowl. They were kind of quiet about it all week. He dressed, he warmed up. Ultimately, Davis Bevel got the start. Sooners threw for like 39 yards, completed seven passes, uh, broke every Red River record for offensive or passing ineptitude um, in that game. And Dylan Gabriel was on the sidelines and watched from the press box in the second half. This year, not only is he back, but he's playing some of the most inspired, the best football, certainly of his OU career, probably of his college career. And I thought it was interesting to hear Brent Venable will speak this week about, yes, like it's huge. You have, you've got your quarterback, but what a guy like Dylan Gabriel represents in a game like this. Inevitably, the quarterback and a quarterback who specifically like Dylan Gabriel has been thrown forward and has, has emerged as a leader for this team. He's a guy they will look to. And so in that respect, huge to have him. And in another respect, big to have him for this particular game when they need to not only beat a team they're not favored to win and, and where they're considered the underdog, but if they're going to rectify anything they did last fall, it's going to have to start with the quarterback play and what Dylan Gabriel does. So where, uh, where do you see Dylan Gabriel in this game uh, beyond just his presence and OU having a functioning passing game this year? 
Well, the, the pressure on Gabriel that isn't on Ewers is he has to play as well as possible. Ewers, and I, I think you wrote it yourself this week, played well last year, but he could have played a lot better. I mean, it seems weird to say for a team that scores 49 points in, in you know, the biggest game of the regular season. He missed guys. He, he still missed opportunities to, to really make it worse on Oklahoma's defense. He could have that kind of game against Saturday, and they could still score 49 points because they have Xavier Worthy, A.D. Mitchell, Sand- Jatavion Sanders has been messing that up all week, and Jonathan Brooks, right? I mean, he, he, he's the caretaker. OU's receivers are really good. They, they've got something going, a little something going with the run game. The offensive line is protecting well. Run blocking, we'll see. But you see where I'm going with this? I mean, Gabriel has got to be so good, Eli, in this game. And so he's in the right frame of mind going in to, to be able to accept that reality. But this is, a different, this is a different scene, and he's never been in that. He's never been in the arena. He's seen it. He was there last year. He's never been on the field for it. And it usually takes a guy one experience at that position to to really come to grips with it. And uh, he's been again on point mentally, leadership wise, all that the intangible stuff through the first five games. But this is different, and that's that's where I I, I just worry a little bit. Uh, I, I think he's I think he'll play well. I don't know if he'll play well enough. I don't know if it's possible for a first-time quarterback in this game to play at the level he's going to need to play for the Sooners to win. I think if you were Brent Venables, Jeff Levy, or or any of the, what, 40, whatever the split of the fans are at the Cotton Bowl, what you'd be hoping is that any lack of experience Dylan Gabriel has in this game can be made up for by the overall experience he has. What what they've said about him Mm -hmm. all the way through to last weekend after Iowa State of him being in a place that's different from a year ago mentally, how he's approaching things, how he's playing the game. You'd hope that could make up for it. I'm sure you can give me a long list of guys who have had some prolific Red River debuts, but I think you're right. History skews with experience in that game, and Dylan Gabriel doesn't have it. So it's a test for him. It's a test for this defense, You know, a, a unit we've spoken pretty highly of. We've, we've pointed to the schedule and just wondered you know, how much of, uh, of the teams they've played has had to do with it. I mean, it... it Folks are getting touchy about that this week. They've yeah. not played a cupcake schedule, but you want to look at what they did shutting out Arkansas State and you know giving up what they gave up to Tulsa with their third-string quarterback starting that game and the fact that Cincinnati hasn't really found the end zone against anyone until they saw BYU. Point is, I, I'm eager to see this defense tested because they will be this weekend. Quinn Ewers is unlike any quarterback they've played. Right. You listed the skill talent that's three bona fide like early round, maybe first round draft pick skill players and a running back in Jonathan Brooks, who all he did was run for 200 yeah. yards and two scores last weekend at Kansas. So their work is cut out for him this week. And we're going to find out something about that unit. We're going to get into both the offense and the defense here in a second, but um, that's where the mind goes. Now, this is a big game, not just in the 2023 season, not just in the context of the move to the SEC in a year's time, not even just to keep it into this year, the playoff implications, Big 12 title implications. It's a big game for Brent Venables and for where the Sooners stand, uh, you know, 21, 22 months into his tenure here uh, and about where this is going. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, Venables is, you start with him if you're, if you're analyzing, you know, importance. Gabriel's the player, there's no doubt, but, but Venables is the figure. And 
alluding to something that I put that posted a sellout crowd this morning, Eli, and the question I asked Brent when it was my turn uh, yesterday. He's he's about as prideful a guy as I've ever encountered, and I know most I know coaches are prideful, right? I mean, they wouldn't be doing this. Football coaches, especially, are, are you know run pretty hot. Defensive football coaches run really hot. So I'm, I'm not breaking news to say that Brent Venables gets wound up every time he he, he puts a headset on. That goes double for any coach who's ever in, been in this game. That's also not anything new. But again, what is new? What is new uh, is that. You don't have too many Oklahoma coaches who go into an OU Texas game 0-1 with a 49-0 collar. And the question I asked after uh, after the game a year ago before we all went up to the press box to write was how much of a shock to this system, to your system, was this experience? And that was that was my question to Venables a year ago, because I've covered him long enough, know how much every down matters to him in any game but then it magnified at least by two or three in this game. He gave a pretty pat answer, but I that's answering and then feeling are two different things. And his answer to the question that I asked him yesterday about you know, how much pride matters in this game for a coach, pretty pat. He gave a good answer because he explained why it mattered uh, as coach at Oklahoma because of the, you know, the fan base and the investment that people have made in a program that has won this, that, and the other over the years. And there's a standard of excellence and blah, blah, blah. Right. I, I, and it was a good answer. It didn't really speak, though, to how amped up he's going to be this Saturday. He, I swear it's going to be he, he's going to have to take deep breaths himself. He's been, he's been in this thing. Gabriel hasn't. He has. He's going to have to take some deep breaths before kickoff. That's how much Saturday is going to matter to him. And so it's, it's not just a pivot point, potentially, in terms of his coaching, his head coaching at Oklahoma and the direction the program is going as it leaves the Big 12 for the SEC, it really, to me, is a, is a pivot point in terms of um, one of the most prideful guys who takes games so seriously that I've ever encountered has to have this one. Like, And he's coached national championship games. He's got to have this one like any I, I assume he's ever encountered just for, just for so he can sleep an hour at night. He didn't say that. I'm pretty sure he's thinking that this week as he goes to Dallas. I put it, it was a Saturday night after the Iowa State game. I, I wrote that this is the first biggest game of his head coaching career. Mm-hmm. Last year was a gimme. I think uh, I'll see if I could ask this question to OU fans on the way out of the Cotton Bowl this Saturday if it's a, another OU loss. But to me, I, I think you do look at it and say Steve Sarkeesian's a, a year ahead in the rebuild, year ahead on the recruiting. He's mm-hmm. got the program probably a year further along. I, you could even argue that Brent Venables in this game is it doesn't necessarily reflect poorly on him or the direction if they don't get a win here. However, I don't think many OU fans would feel that way, and I don't think Brent Venables would would be okay saying, "Well, get him next year." And and that can't be the attitude. That's not the attitude in a game like this. And as we look forward, you know, you're talking 2023, where it's it's playoff implications, Big Twelve title implications. 2024 and every these two schools, if they weren't compared to each other before, and they always have been, are going to be compared alongside each other from here on out once they're in the SEC. And this is just the start of it. Right now, OU fans can look back and on the last 15 or so years and point to some pretty uh, robust gains in Red River in terms of what they've done, what the Sooners have done to Texas, all that. But you look at that kind of the the ebb and flow of this series over history. Mm-hmm. Teams go on runs, and if you know, Texas 
goes on their next run and it's the first eight years of uh of the sec that's going to set yeah. a tone and and, and all of that is important so it makes this weekend so big both in the near and the long term uh as we move forward garen i, I know we've hit the defense we've hit the offense gonna i don't know if it's a game we got garen or gare out coming but this is a little game another game of, of make the case I think we know that you know Oklahoma's defense had been the storyline coming into the season, mm-hmm. and it has delivered. Mm-hmm. Oklahoma's offense was a, kind of a, a question of its own. We've got answers at quarterback and in the passing game, fewer running back. But this being the first test the Sooners are really going to face, the ultimate test of this 5-0 and start, I want to know, make the case for me, who needs to have a bigger day, both in terms of proving something, but toward making sure that the Sooners maybe have a shot in this one. Who's got to have a bigger game? The, the defense against this Texas offense, or are you going to be more focused on the offense and what they can do against a pretty talented Texas defense in its own right? Yeah, I, I'm going to go defense, even though I'm starting individually with Gabriel, the quarterback. I, I do put more weight on the defense, and it's because I think Texas offense is clearly better than Texas defense. I, I think we can all know that based on what we've seen. They're a little bit similar, aren't they? I mean, just like Gabriel has stood out and OU's receivers have stood out through their 5-0 and start, Ewers and his receivers and Jonathan Brooks have stood out for Texas and theirs. And so I, I think it, the answer is the same whether uh, I'm covering OU or Texas. It's, it is a defense because this, this will be something completely different for both defenses and what, they've, what they're up against Saturday. But because of, Texas has Brooks at running back, Oklahoma does not because Texas has Sanders as a maybe the most NFL-ready tight end outside of Brock Bowers in college football, and Oklahoma does not, then this is, a, to me, a, a much much more of a referendum on OU's defense than it is on Texas's, and, 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 and that's why it comes back to sort of a referendum on Venables, right? He, it, it's a big game not just because of 49 nothing and the fact that he's been in this arena before, but it's, he's, he's got to, as a coach, along with Ted Roof, make a difference and figure out a way through what looks to be a fairly impenetrable Texas offense. And, um, and then he's got to trust guys. If he, if he comes up with an exotic blitz, blitz package or a wrinkle that no one has seen yet, he's got to be able to trust his players to carry it out and be in the right spot. So that if he takes his chances and sends six or seven on a snap, just to, just to try to get to yours before he can get to them, that the, that the four or five were left to cover those receivers don't lose their minds. So I definitely start with OU's defense in this game. And the fact is that Brent Venables will always be judged against his defense. His year two will be judged against where his defense is at the end of year two. Mm-hmm. And maybe they'll see Texas again later this year. Maybe they'll play someone fun in a bowl game. But there's going to be no better test of this defense than against a team with a potential top five quarterback, you know, a guy people see as an early, early pick in the future against as we've talked about, the, the three pass catchers who are surefire NFL talents and a running back running as well as he is, that's, when you look at the rest of the schedule, this is probably the toughest battle they're going to have. And so we're going to find out a whole lot about this defense this mm-hmm. weekend and where they are and, and where Brent Venables is. However you want to say it, Brent Venables, Ted Roof, their defense together, how bold are they willing to be? How, how many risks are they willing to take? What are they willing to do to, to basically be, I don't know about throw the kitchen sink, but you've got an offense at Texas that you have to throw everything at. And there's not really going to be another bigger game than this unless they see them again in the Big 12 title game. Mm -hmm. 
this is their shot to to show us something. It doesn't have to be in a a twenty one nothing win, but to see something from this defense in year two when you're thinking about the the bigger picture progression of this defense that really yeah. might not hit its final form that Brent Venables wants for another three years. But if you're checking off boxes, there, there's something to be proved this weekend. But believe it or not, opposing viewpoints, Garen, I'm going to now tell you why I think the offense and Dylan Gabriel, it's, it, I don't know about a bigger day for them, but for Dylan Gabriel, it's been all about, he's gotten his flowers, right? The, the first five weeks of the season. Mm-hmm. I know there's still some portion of the fan base that um, is, is you know, not totally sold a year and a half in yeah. with him. But fact that, is, that better be minuscule right now. Fact is, uh, you can tell me that you think Jackson Arnold's a more talented quarterback. You can tell me, you know, you can point to a missed throw or two, but you can't watch Iowa State and tell me that Dylan Gabriel is not only integral to this team, but the reason in large part that they've won as much by as much as they have lately and, and moved the ball as well as they have to be one of the top offenses in the country going into this game. This has to be the test, though. I know we keep using that word, but similar to the defense where it's okay, you've played Arkansas State and Tulsa uh, and SMU and Cincinnati. Now let's see Dylan Gabriel step into what we have already hit on is a a really difficult environment, what will be a new environment to play in. This is that test. If this is an Oklahoma team that's going to be competing for a conference title, Mm -hmm. depending on the result of this weekend, outside shot at the playoff, or just New Year's Six to, to, to show where this team is, to get to 10, 11 wins. You need Dylan Gabriel to, to be that guy, not just in the games where maybe it's easy. I'm not suggesting any of this is easy about what they do, but we need to see it from him in this offense against a, a legitimate opponent in a big game. And that's what they have right here. We'll see if the receivers can step up, if they can get that same separation. Let's see if uh, the running game, I think it's going to be Marcus Major who gets a shot at least. Right. Or maybe someone emerges behind him. You could probably give me a list of kind of breakout performers in this game in the history. Maybe that's Gavin Sawchuk. Yeah. Maybe Javante Barnes is healthier than they've let on, and, and he's going to be that guy. Uh, but, but for both Dylan Gabriel and the offense, I think this is a chance to show that they're not just going to be uh, empty calories, so to speak, putting up 73 points on Arkansas State and uh, 63 on Tulsa, mm-hmm. but that they can go to the Cotton Bowl and keep this offense moving. Yeah, I mean, I started the year with, with something about the line of scrimmage being the focal point to, to OU season for the sake of this season and where they're headed in the SEC. It's not the glamour, you know, it's not the glamour spot compared to quarterback, backfield, receiver, but I, I could go where you're going just based on seeing what I see from the O-line. I mean, if they can stand up to the guys that Texas has across its defensive front, then I think this, then you feel better, not just about where OU's trajectory is this year, but obviously next as well. Um, I wanted to ask you real quick, you wrote among many things this week, uh, something about draft prospects and, and draft uh, lineage for both the Sooners and the Longhorns and whether there's sort of a changing tide, um, you know, afoot with regard to the two teams and, and, and perhaps there's a place in this game for, for where that, that tide takes us. Uh, I was going to open it up to see if you wanted to tell us what you learned. I can talk about myself. You know, I don't mind. <laughs> uh, no, I, so there is like over the last 13 years, basically going back to 2010, you can kind of really draw the line of demarcation at when Colt McCoy walked out of that national championship game with a hurt shoulder is when Oklahoma kind of everywhere in this rivalry, but recruiting has, has had the edge Heisman trophy winners, big 12 titles, college football playoff, but also draft picks. 
and producing NFL draft talent, not just top tier and having first overall picks, top five picks, but all the way, you know, rounds four through seven. Oklahoma's had the edge, uh, but the tide seems to be turning a little bit. And going into the SEC, it's only going to be more important. That's a conference that produces NFL players by the dozen, by mm-hmm. the have by the three dozen. Um, and Oklahoma and Texas, if they are going to continue to battle as in recruiting, this is part of that. It is showing recruits, hey, we are the program that produce that we're going to send you the league. You come here three, four years later, you're going to be in the pros. And so Oklahoma has been able to do that over the last 13 years. Continuing to do that as Texas kind of gets its act together is going to be important. So I talked to Matt Miller, the, uh, the ESPN NFL draft analyst, and sort of dove into, into the why. Why Oklahoma, here, here's some numbers, uh, in that 13-year stretch, 75 draft picks to Texas's 42. Um, why Oklahoma has that advantage in spite of the fact that Texas still has kicked butt on the recruiting trail, even with coaching turnover uh, and, and not many winning seasons or impressive seasons on the field. Uh, they've had more four stars and five stars than Oklahoma has, yet the Sooners have produced the talent. And it really comes down, Garen, you and I talked about it as I was working on this, development. It's mm-hmm. one thing to get guys on campus. Plenty of places can recruit, but it's about developing that talent. And that's been the distinguishing factor. You look at Oklahoma, and it's been Bob Stoops to Lincoln Riley to Brent Venables. That's Stoops' fingerprints on mm-hmm. on the program for, you know, let's assume Brent goes two more two more years after this, a quarter of a century um, of continuity to some degree. A little bit different than Mac Brown's retirement. <laughs> that was for those listening. That was the uh, yeah. inverted commas in retirement to Charlie Strong to Tom Herman. And finally now to Steve Sarkeesian. And that's where Texas does seem to be turning it around a bit. But uh, you can find this story, sellercrowd.com, diving into the numbers. Matt Miller, a Texas fan. Interestingly, I hope that's not a turnoff. I disclosed that in the Uh-oh. very first sentence. Okay. But yeah, uh, he offered some really incredible insight. Uh, Garen, you'll be interested. He was very high, not just on one uh, Oklahoma offensive lineman, Tyler Guyton, this year, but on what B- Bill Biedenboe and this program has produced from the offensive line for years now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, real quick before we have a little fun down the stretch. Uh, every year, the coaches do get asked the recruiting implications question. Every year, the results sort of spoke for themselves, and they did favor Oklahoma. Uh, last I checked, kids did want to go. High school players, transfer portal guys, JUCO guys, wherever they're getting guys, wanted to go where they're going to get into the NFL. Nice to be. Everyone's on TV, so you can't say that anymore. Everyone has nice stuff, uniforms, facilities. I've seen you on TV before. They'll just let anyone on there. Yeah. Uh, so, so the bells and whistles that used to be able to, to – to, facilities, I guess. I mean, that's, that matters, but only go – NIL, of course, is a very, very, very big deal. But you can make even more money, right, with your first NFL contract. And if you've got numbers to show that you're churning out an NFL pipeline, uh, I assume that's going to serve you well when you're recruiting against Texas and against everyone else in the SEC as you, as you make the transition. So, yes, this game does matter as much as coaches downplay it. Certainly Pretty does. Nice. And, well, and that's the thing. This is a story that's about, you know, the, the past and the future, not so much this weekend, but even within it, Tyler Guyton is the guy for the Sooners this year. Matt kind of described where the Sooners are at now as a transitional year in terms of the draft. They've had something like 12 guys go in the last two years. Couple that with roster turnover after the Lincoln Riley or all that, uh, and that makes sense. But Tyler Guyton is viewed as a first-round caliber mm-hmm. tackle, 
Uh, and I, I think this is a big weekend for him, not mm-hmm. just because of the stage. It's going to be ABC, you know, midday primetime, however you want to put it. Uh, but because of the opponent and who, what he's going to have to be going up against. So this is a big weekend for him. He, the Sooners need him to be good, but uh, Tyler Guyton, in a sense, could make a lot of money this weekend. And yes, as, as you say, moving forward, SEC, every inch matters. Mm-hmm. That's what, that is what every coach will say when they're mm-hmm. kind of stepping around these questions. Every little bit matters, and it has shown in, in how the Sooners have developed. Um, they've got to I mean, can't keep can't take the foot off the pedal uh, with the recruiting and with the development and sending guys to the pros because Texas surely eventually Texas will figure it out. Uh, they seem to maybe have it figured out now. I think we're going to see a pretty figured out team on Saturday. Yeah, but far more importantly, Garen, I don't know. There's a there's one big game Saturday. I think there's a big game right here right now because we're going to close out with another game. Garen or Gare out a little Texas State Fair edition. Oh Lord. Well, we you know we usually take a little stroll around the fair. There's there's never never time for uh, for too much to to be going on. But uh, I did find some food items that are going to be on offer around the fair this year, and would love to know if you are gear in or gear out on some of these. Have you indulged much in the fair before and in, in the fair foods? I take enough years out of off my life uh, being a sports writer on deadlines, so I, I I don't need to make it even tougher for me to get to the finish line. I I'm very picky with what I eat down there. I don't mind looking at it, but eating it is another thing. Well, let's say in this scenario it was offered to you for free <laughs> and maybe with a, like a, a visit to a heart doctor on Monday. But uh, all right, the deep fried surf and turf empanada. It's lobster, cr- crab, chorizo, sweet corn, all in an empanada deep fried and served with garlic aioli. Gear in or gear out on gear that. in based on the seafood elements. I am a sucker for seafood, so even with all the other stuff, for lack of a better term, PG rated, um, I, I, I'd gear in that. How do you feel about where that lobster and crab might be coming from I, or sitting at the state fair? I, well, I don't. Yeah, need the local we, catch. Well, Texas is closer to open water than Oklahoma. How about that? All right. So I'm gonna. I'm still gear in. So think about that the next time you're eating some crab or some lobster or some sushi here in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Just All right, something to give thought to. Be careful. All right, deep fried candy pecan bread pudding. Fried, fried bread pudding with cinnamon sugar, candy pecans, or pecans. Uh, someone's going to come at me for that. <laughs> uh, chopped bacon topped with salted caramel bourbon sauce. That's going to send you to the heart doctor. Yeah, Christy Emig would be Christy in uh, my better half. I'm going gear out just because of yes. I I don't want if I ate that before the game, it'd have to put get the paddles out so that I could actually have a pulse to write about the game. I'll have to think of a game for Christy. I like Christy and Christy out, but we're gonna think of something better for her. We'll get her on the show at some point. She has to be on the show at some point. She would love that. She would brighten this a thing up. A lot more entertaining than you and me. That's for dang sure. All right, the last one here. The Cotton Candy Rita. Sounds like what we should be getting up to at like 9 o'clock before an 11 a.m. kick. But <laughs> it's a pink sugar-rimmed cup with cot- and a cotton candy-infused margarita dolloped with a, f- or with a dollop of fresh cotton candy. Sounds like a lot of sugar again. Man. Folks, they're going to be like hungover from the night before. God. Because that's what folks do before AU Texas. And then you're going to show up and drink that? Mm-mm. Gear out. 
Yeah. I mean, I just can't get away from the job I have to do uh, or you guys have to do. And if I'm going just as a fan, I'm probably guaranteeing all of this because what do I got to lose? I've just nothing broken about the standard margarita. We didn't need to cotton candy it up. That's mm-hmm. my uh, my two cents on that one. Mm-hmm. Let's skip that. Uh, you know how I feel about this one, but Rudy's banana pudding will be on <laughs> offer in the press box pregame as part of the spread. How do you feel about that banana pudding? It's going to be renamed Eli's banana pudding after the performance he put on last year. Garen, I mean, I'll, I'm a pudding guy. I'll I'll eat it. Not like you will, but I'll eat it. I think my number was six bowls last year. I think I can beat it. Oh, I know you can beat it. It's whether you want to uh, to, to make that public statement and, and literally have people turning their cameras from the field to you, because that's what's going to happen if you go above six bowls of that banana pudding. I look. That's what comes with championship strain, is to all that attention. So we'll see. I'll report back. I'll report back. All right to the game. Last I saw, it was Texas six and a half. Gear in or gear out on the Sooners to keep this within a touchdown as the mm. final score. Man, I am right on the edge of that. I am right on the edge. For the sake of the fact, this is a big deal. Five and zero, oh, five and zero. Oh. We need to see something better than forty nine zilch. Uh, I'll say gear in. But it's going to be close. It really is. You hit on this before. Need you to kind of dig into the faith here. But Dylan Gabriel to outplay Quinn Ewers in this game. I don't know if that means that OU wins. Right, right. But I think it. That is the scenario where it is a touchdown game in the final minutes, and maybe it goes either way. This is this is a cop out, Garen. Uh, he he'll have better. He'll have more yards. Maybe even a, a more one more touchdown. One to two more touchdowns. What I worry about, going back to what we were talking about, is he's going to have one to two more interceptions, turnovers, and that that can't happen. Garen or Gare out on uh, Big Twelve Commissioner Brett Yormark reportedly not going to be in attendance on Saturday. Gare out, man. I, he needed a man up and go. And uh, as a follow up. SEC Commissioner Greg Sankey getting in a year early, presiding over what some are referring to already as an SEC game. Maybe that's confirmed by the fact that the Big 12 Commissioner is not showing up. You gear in on, on Greg Sankey's appearance? I'm gear in, I gear in on anyone who flexes like that, Greg Sankey included. All right, this is going to be your chance to opine. You can give us like your, your 30 to 60 second like ESPN sappy thing about the Cotton Bowl and about this game. But are you gear in or gear out? on OU Texas remaining at the Cotton Bowl, remaining at the State Fair, keeping all this alive in a college football landscape that is so changing. Garen now, Garen tomorrow, Garen next week, next year, next decade, however long before the fried and pinatas and margarita, banana pudding, uh, caramel corn, uh, fried butter mix kicks in. (laughs) Team Cotton Bowl for life when it comes to this game. So many games get played at like Jerry World now or these big venues. And then you walk into the Cotton Bowl and you walk into that press box where you're just hoping the internet will work and there's not those all those luxury suites, right? Yeah. Everyone's kind of just out there. That's we need a, a little more we need some of that to remain in college football. Most of it's getting yeah. washed away. Right. OU Texas, at least in some ways, remains sacred. Just don't look at the cotton candy Rita for that. That's <laughs> the opposite of sacred. Well, Garen, we're going to know a lot more about the Sooners the next time we jump on here, because that's it for us on the Letterman Jacket this week. But a big one for OU ahead. If you haven't subscribed, if you made it this far and you're not subscribing, I don't know what you're doing. 
but we'd love for you to subscribe, leave a review, YouTube, Spotify, Apple, you can do it there. You can always find us there. You can find all of our work at selloutcrowd.com. You can find my OU coverage at eli-letterman.com. Garen, where can people find you? Uh, G-U-E-R-I-N-E-M-I-G.com. Still in the, in the sellout crowd network. Just I, I always advise people who are trying to figure out where I came from, just drop down the creator's bar, look for the weird name, and that's, that's my stuff. That's a sales pitch right there. Mm-hmm. Well, folks, we'll be back. After OU Texas, appreciate you listening, and we'll talk next week.